Thanks for tuning in to the Trinity Church Nottingham podcast. It's great to have you with us. My name is Amy, and together with my husband, Johnny, we lead the church here in Nottingham, England. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. And if we can help you in any way at all, feel free to get in touch and email us at info at trinitychurchnottingham.org. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. I was having a conversation with a friend this week, and... um we haven't spoken for a little while, and so the, the subject naturally turned to lockdown, what we were seeing, uh, what had changed in our lives, what was new for us. And, and because we're sort of competitive males, we began to talk about our lockdown exercise routine. And what became clear quite quickly is we both, we both really upped our game in terms of the quantity and probably even the quality of exercise that we're putting in. My friend was talking about... He lived, a, he, would, he would say, a fairly sedentary lifestyle before lockdown, but actually he's getting exercise every day. He's walking, he's been running, and making some significant strides in doing that. I've also noticed on one particular app that I'm on, uh, which is where people sort of put their running feats on for the world to see, I've noticed that people's running times are really improving, my own, my own included. And it's, it's this almost this arms race between people to sort of increase the pace, or leg race probably in this case. Also, I've been aware that rather than just improving my cardiovascular capacity, I probably need to be working on strength as well. And, and an opportunity came to do this just the other day. Somebody sent us a video of a child doing what I could only describe as a handstand whilst uh, with hands on the floor, legs uh, obviously on a wall, and um, with uh, bare-chested with a t-shirt in front of them. And this child, while sort of elevated upside down in this way, I was going to actually just do it just then, and that would probably not work well. Um, while bare-chested uh, and, and elevated against the wall, this child managed to put their shirt on. And so I just thought, well, I, we can do that, can't we? I'd, and, I, I, and I tried to do that, and I got quite close. But uh, after about a minute of sort of fumbling with, maybe it wasn't a minute, felt like it. After a minute of fumbling with my T-shirt, uh, I just started, my body started to shake, and I could do it no longer. And then, of course, Amy uh, wandered over and did it in about 30 seconds. <laughs> it was quite humbling. Um, and uh, I don't know what your exercise uh, plan has been in the lockdown, but I encourage you to do that one as well, uh, but only if you're of a certain age. <laughs> anyway, strength is important. Strength is important. It's important that we have strength. It's important that it, at this time we're, we're, we're figuring out how to strengthen ourselves so that we can uh, stay strong and supple in lockdown, but also that as we come out of lockdown, uh, we're going to be able to move forward into all that God and life has for us. Now, I've recently, as I've been going through the Bible in a year, just really enjoyed being in the story of David again in First uh, and Second Samuel, and I love the story of David. He's one of my heroes. From a, a young age, I remember just being fascinated by reading stories of his conquests and his exploits. Uh, uh, just even his calling story, if you've not read it, is wonderful. He's just a, a mere shepherd boy out in the wilderness looking after his father's sheep and God chooses him uh, even before his brothers, even though there was nothing particular about him that looked special, God sees into his heart. And he becomes one of the great heroes of the Bible, for sure. Certainly 
of the Hebrew Bible, certainly of the Old Testament. He is somebody who oversees the golden age of Israel. He's the second king, but the greatest king Israel ever had. And he had such favor on his life, incredible favor. But that favor for him led to extraordinary, extreme opposition and adversity. In fact, as is so often the case through the scripture, the favor of God meant opposition. It meant adversity because God selected this man in a particular way. Other people uh, bent their um, energies on stopping him and on opposing him. And I don't think there's any moment in David's formation in his life before his kingship that's more significant than the moment that we've just had read to us by Kirsten. There may be moments that are as significant, but I don't think there's any moment that's more significant. And just to retell the story, what we have happening here up to this moment is that David, having been anointed, has been called into service of Saul, the then king. And because of the favor on him, he prospered both in terms of playing musical instruments before Saul and also in terms of gaining military victories for Saul. So much so that people recognized him as head and shoulders above even Saul the king in the favor that God had on his life. And in and through that, uh, David was favored by God, but opposed by Saul. And it got so bad that Saul actually ran him out of town. David ended up in exile and he was surrounded by a group of men who became this ragtag band of um, a military band, if you like, who would go raiding around the place and who basically were just trying to protect David from Saul. Saul came out to get David numerous times. David had the opportunity to kill Saul, and yet every time he had it, he didn't take it, showing his integrity, passing the integrity test every time. And at the moment that we have here in 1 Samuel 30, what we find is that David is at the deepest point of disaster He's arrived back to Ziklag, the place where he and his men and their families were staying at this time. And what he's found is that the place has been burned to the ground. That his wives, their wives and their children have been abducted and taken. They don't know where. They don't know whether they're still alive. They don't know whether they're safe. This is a moment of significant crisis for David. It's a leadership crisis. How is he going to navigate this moment, a moment of the kind he's never seen before? But it's also a profound personal crisis. It's a, it's a crisis of faith, surely, for him. David's got to be in this moment asking questions of the kind Maybe he's never asked before. God, he might, he might be looking back on his life with some confusion. He might be saying, God, as a boy, you selected me above my brothers. You poured oil upon me. You favored me. You said I was going to become king. And ever since that moment, all I've seen is trouble. Why? Why has it been this way for me? Why did you choose me and then seemingly oppose me? Why is my life? So difficult. Internal trouble, internal questions in crisis, external questions. It makes you have sympathy. Reading this, it makes you have sympathy for those in our nation leading us. Who would be a leader right now? It is a difficult time to be in leadership. 
And there's so many things we can learn from David. So many things that he does that are so precious and instructive. But I just want to pick one today. One. And it's simply this. I'm going to read uh, again from verse 4. It says this. Uh, verse 3, when David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. There's the crisis. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel, Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. And here we have it. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Other versions of the uh, translations of this, other versions of the Bible say, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. In his moment of crisis, in his moment of lockdown, if you like, what David does is to go to God. He, his plan, his exercise plan in this moment isn't 50 push-ups. 50, who am I kidding? Isn't 15 push-ups. His exercise plan, he exercises himself before God. He exercises his agony. He exercises his doubt. He exercises his frustration. He exercises his questions. He exercises his longings before God. And so he is strengthened. My question today for us as Trinity Church, my question for whoever's listening to this is, where do you reach when you need strength? You know, David is opposed in an extraordinary way. And even now, those men who surrounded him, who are themselves brutal men, these are men who have been uh, cast-offs pretty much from every other regime. These are the people that have surrounded him. They're not safe people. The threat on David's life is significant here. The men want to stone him. And yet, David reaches for God. Where do we reach in these moments of chaos, in these moments of crisis, there are so many options out there for us. Where do we reach? Do you reach for the pleasure button? Do you reach for pleasure? Just to sort of numb the pain, to take the edge off the crisis, just some pleasure. Whatever that would be, whether that's something maybe you feel you really shouldn't be reaching to maybe some kind of internet based pleasure maybe you reach for uh, the fridge maybe you reach for the calories uh, just to take the edge off maybe you reach I think this is probably uh, as some have said this is the primary difficulty we face spiritually in these times we reach for distraction we reach whether it's for something to watch. Uh, maybe even it's a new book to read, to take our minds off of the chaos and off of the crisis we're feeling externally and internally. Maybe that's where you reach. Or if I'm being really honest, let me, let me say, maybe you reach as I do for your favorite drug, which is the drug of control. You just try in some way to order things, to order your life so that you remain at least feeling like you have some measure of control. This has been the most challenging thing personally for me. How, how, do I, how can I exist 
in a world in which I seemingly have so little control. I don't know the outcome. I don't know the destination, nor do I even know the way there. None of us does. And that's a threat and a challenge, and it precipitates, it brings about crisis in us. What do we do? What do we do in these moments? David, he is our model. It says, David found strength. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He seeks God's face. We might think here of Psalm 27. That's the kind of psalm that David could have penned in a moment like this. Turning hastily to Psalm 27, here we have it. David says this, when the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell, remain, abide in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me upon a rock. Then my help, my head rather, will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. Verse 13, the end of the psalm ends with this. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Do you think it's possible that David withdrew into God's presence and he wrote that psalm in this moment? I think it's possible. It is possible. Certainly it was in a moment like this that David, who was the author of that psalm, wrote that psalm. Isn't that extraordinary? David strengthened himself in God and therefore he remained confident of this, that he would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Why did he do it? Why was he able to seek the face of God? There are two answers, broadly speaking here. The first is that David was a man after God's own heart. He was somebody who was uniquely and particularly virtuous. He had this sense of God in him. He was a man of integrity and he lived what he'd spoken and therefore he, re- he went to God. And, and I think there's truth in that. I think David was somebody who was attuned uniquely from a young age to God. He had this sense of God about him. He was the kind of person that when you went to see David, you just came away just thinking, wow, he's, he's just something different about that guy. Yes. And yet I think there's something else here. I think the reason, one of the reasons at least, that David goes to God in this moment is because God is all he's got. His family's gone. His future is seemingly gone. His friends, these men who've been surrounding him and supporting him are now turning against him. And so in this moment of crisis, David goes to the only one he has left. He turns to God and he finds strength in God. And so God becomes his reward. You know this, that what you reach for in crisis becomes your reward. You reach for calories in crisis. You get calories. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that, necessarily. You reach for pleasure in crisis. Then you receive pleasure, momentary, temporary perhaps, but you receive pleasure. You reach for distraction in crisis. You will be distracted. Again, nothing wrong with that in moderation at all. 
you reach for control in crisis. You may have a, a temporary sense of control. You may become controlling. If you reach for God in crisis, then God becomes your reward. You get God. If you reach for God, if you go to him, if you seek his face in crisis, then he's the one you get. You come out of this crisis strengthened in him. He's the one that you'll come out of this crisis with, a greater measure of him. David reaches God, and so God becomes his reward. And I know there are people at the moment in our congregation and beyond, in this city and beyond, who are struggling intensely. And I don't pretend to be in that camp at the moment. Certainly, I'm not finding this easy, and I know many of you aren't. But I wouldn't put myself in the camp of people who's acutely suffering. But I know many of you are, and I know particularly some of you are. And at this time, more than any other, certainly more than recently, that there has just been opposition and adversity against you. I know many of you have lost, some of you have lost people, even in the last few weeks, very, very dear to, very, very dear to you. I received a text message from a friend just the other day explaining a situation uh, to me which was just so tragic. And then just even uh, last night, another text message from this friend. And, and my friend said, all we can do is trust in him. Trust. What a word. And I just thought in that moment, my friend David had just explained just the core of what it was that his namesake, David, did in these moments, to strengthen himself in God, isn't to say we don't have questions. It's not to say there aren't problems. It's not to say there isn't heartbreak and agony and devastation and pain and longing and suffering that's unresolved. It's not to say that we have the theological boxes in which everything fits perfectly. It's not to say that we don't lament and cry out along with the rejoicing that we bring to God and the praise. It's not to say that we don't experience the depths of human experience and human agony, but it's to say that we make the decision in the midst of it to trust, to bring the pain, to bring it before God. Because if we do that, what we receive in it and through it and on the other side of it is God. And that's what he wants for us. That's what he has for us. And that's what I believe he wants us to carry in this moment and through this season. Thanks for listening to some of our teaching here at Trinity. We hope it's blessed you. If you live in the city or live outside of Nottingham and want to connect more with the church, check out some of our practices and pathways on our website. We call them one, few, company, and many. We're passionate about encountering Jesus, becoming like him, and doing the things that he did, both individually and in our lives together, so that we may see the church on fire and the city come alive. You can find these on our website under the Connect tab. Thanks for listening. Thank you.